here with you all, and a huge welcome if you are new, if you're visiting us today. I uh, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And do stay, we're going to have a Christmas market afterwards, and it's going to be malt, cider, apple juice, and mixed pies. Uh, we're going to see you again in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanted to take a pause quickly. What an amazing question that was. What, who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell this good news to? And I want to take a moment to just unpack what does this Christmas story mean for you and I? I'm going to be reading a little passage from an ancient scroll. It was written 2,500, maybe more years ago, written by a guy called Isaiah. And writes about a coming king. And you can find it in any Bible. Uh, it's going to appear on the screen behind me. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the government will be on his shoulders, and I don't think by some I meant that Rishi Sunak and the Conservative Party will be literally sat on this king's shoulders. What he means is that there is a true king of the world, of the universe, and he one day is going to come to earth and he is going to rule and reign, and he will be the foundation of all human life. That's what it means to have a government on his shoulders. And it says, Isaiah says, that this is going to happen when a certain child is born. And so, 700 years later, a child is born in Bethlehem. We've just been witnessing that story. Jesus is that we And that's what the Christmas story about is all about. God's coming to earth to be king. I wonder if you thought about the Christmas story that way before. And before I go on, I'd like to just invite two special guests up. And so Sam and Amelia, you around? There you are. May we give him a round of applause. Do you want to see him around? Now, Amelia, she's only two, and she's not, she's not as tall as she will be. Maybe you can't even see her, but she's down here. And just imagine for a second that there was a great wind in here, almost a hurricane, it's blowing around. Um, and Amelia, being her height and strength, she might kind of lose her balance, she might even topple over um, with this wind. But Sam, why don't you put Amelia on your shoulders? <laughs> Imagine that same wind is blowing around, but Amelia is going to be absolutely secure, she's going to be safe on her father's arms. Now has Amelia changed in this process? Not at all, she hasn't gained any extra strength, she hasn't grown any meters in her legs, um, but she is secure because she is resting in the, on the shoulders of her father. All right, she can go down now. Thank you, guys. I'll use that as an image. How secure is Amelia when she's up there? That's like us. When we are resting on the arms of Jesus, the everlasting arms of Jesus, are we not far more secure? And this verse in Isaiah is such an encouragement to me. Um, it talks about the kind of leadership that Jesus is going to um, lead us with. And it says four things. I'm going to look at these four things really quickly. And they've each got a little action, so kids, you can help me with this. But the first one is wonderful counsellor. So he's got listening hands. Wonderful counsellor. Second is mighty God. Strong arms, you know that one. Thirdly, he is, 
the everlasting Father. And we're going to have our arms open like this, ready to hug. Everlasting Father. And finally, Prince of Peace, we're going to open our arms as wide as we possibly can. This way. Amazing. So firstly, he's a wonderful counsellor. He listens. God genuinely cares for your hopes and your dreams. You know, whether you want to start a business, start a family, get into jogging, whatever it is, um, he actually cares about the big dreams, the small dreams. And on the other side of that, he's also deeply moved by our pains and our fears. He understands and he knows you know, the heartbreak, the sickness in the family, the depression, the fears over financial insecurity, all these things that we all different, um, we face at different times. Not only does he understand, but he cares for us in our pain. He's not far off. He's not some distant God, you know, some kind of heavenly country over here. No, he's the God who would come to earth and experience life as a human, just to be with us. And so my encouragement to you is cast your cares upon him, is what the Bible says. Cast your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Secondly, he's a mighty God. So the Bible says the God who created the stars, who created the world and the whole universe, he is the God who comes down to us in the person of Jesus to be king. And this is what you'd expect from a king and hope for, that he'd be a mighty and strong individual. And yet in this passage we see God doing something really interesting. He comes down first to us as a baby, as weak and vulnerable. You know, he needs his nappies changing by his parents. He's totally dependent on them. And this is just like totally a radical way of coming to earth. If you were a king, I don't know how you'd want to make a big entrance, but it probably wouldn't be like this. And God is redefining what power looks like. In life, you're often told if you want to get ahead, if you want to get success, um, you're going to have to really go for it. And actually, sometimes that means you might have to trample people kind of around you on the way. But if you're doing your thing, you know, that's what matters. But Jesus says, no, no, that's not how you do it. That's not my way. Jesus says, we lift up those around us. We love them. We encourage them. And even the people who might put us down and might discourage us, actually, we're to love them even more. We're loving our enemies. Even the people who mistreat us. It's a totally radical way of saying what true power looks like. To choose the way of humility. And God promises that when we humble ourselves, he will then lift us up. So he's a mighty God, but he totally redefines it. Thirdly, he's the everlasting father. Now to this king, we are not a number or a statistic, but we are children who are dearly known and dearly loved. And God says to all of us, I've searched you, I've searched your heart, and I know you. I know you completely, even the parts of yourself that you would rather people actually didn't see. I know those parts, all your good bits, all your bad bits. And sometimes we can think, Maybe it's just me, but I'm thinking maybe it's the same for all of us. We can think, you know, if people saw who I really am, you know, all the bad bits about me, would they fully accept me? And sometimes we can have the same attitude with God. And there's this beautiful story that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke, and it's about the love of the Father. I'm going to paraphrase it really quickly. Basically, there's this son, and he says, He's absolutely rude and audacious, and he goes up to his father and he said, Dad, to be honest, I can't wait till you're dead. Um, I can't wait for the money. So can you actually just give that to me now, and I'm going to jog on, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to leave. And the father, amazingly, he says, okay, here you go. He gives him half of his whole estate. And the son leaves and goes to a distant land. 
And when he's there, he just blows all the money. Um, in a matter of months, you know, it's gone. Um, he does things that he shouldn't do, really. He knows he's not doing what his father would like, but he absolutely blows the money. He ends up in the gutter, basically. And then he's, he's lying there thinking, what am I doing? My, my father, I know I, I know I have, but my father's servants even have a better life than this. Maybe I can just go home and be a servant. So he's full of fear. He starts his journey back. And he's expecting a pretty awful reaction from his dad, understandably. Um, and it says, when the, when the sun was still far off, it's almost like the father had been watching from the window, just waiting for his son. And he says, it says that the father ran out the door as the sun appeared on the horizon. He ran to him and he embraced him. No, no apology needed. And he said, welcome home, my son. I love you. Come on in and eat. We're going to have a party. I want to say, if you're feeling far from God today or tonight, if you're feeling in any way that God's disappointed or even angry at you, I want to say tonight that from the bottom of my bottom of my heart, that he is not far from you. He is pursuing you. He is, he is looking for you. He is longing to welcome you home. That is the God we have in Jesus. He is an everlasting Father. So finally, Prince of Peace. What a beautiful title. I wish all the world leaders um, today could be called that. You know, Prince, Princess of Peace. And sadly, that's not the case. As all around the world, even right now as we sit here, there are wars raging. And leaders are not peaceful. But Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And this is one of the big claims of the Bible. And I want to just say it to you clearly tonight. It's an, it's an amazing encouragement, but it's also a bit of a challenge. The claim is that true and lasting peace can only be found in Jesus. Internal spiritual peace and political and social peace, these are amazing things, and God wants them for us. But actually the Bible says that our deepest need for peace is actually between us and God. And actually all things flow from that place. The root of our unrest is separation from Him. And we're all searching for peace, and we? We're all searching for a sense of completeness and wholeness in our life. And there's a, there's a band, maybe you've heard of them, and they were, I loved them in my teenage years. They're called Bastille. Um, I think they're still there, I'm not sure, but they got this song, and I just love the words of this song, and it says, There's a hole in my soul, I can't fill it, I can't fill it. There's a hole in my soul, can you fill it, can you fill it? And these lyrics have always stuck out to me. Just, what a question. There's a hole in my soul, and what is going to fill that hole? And, you know, your, your work, and your success, your money, even your relationships, all those these are amazing things. They're never going to fill that ache inside of us fully. And without Jesus, we will always be searching for something that completes us. And Jesus says, I have come that you might have peace. And so finally, how does he establish this peace? It would be unfair of me to set this up and then not tell you how it works. So the peace that Jesus offers is absolutely free to us. We can have it right here, right now. Uh, but it wasn't free for him. In fact, it cost him everything. It cost him his life. Um, if we skip forward to Easter, the next great celebration, you know, it cost Jesus his life. And the shoulders that hold up the government, that hold up our lives, are the same shoulders that hung on that cross to die. It's the same choice. 
And when Jesus died for us, he paid for the price. He paid the price for all the bad stuff, all the wicked stuff out there in the world, and all that bad stuff that's in me and in you as well. And he paid for that, the stuff that separates us from God. And he took that on himself. And so all we have to do is we say, Jesus, I want your peace. I want to call you the king of my life. I want to live the way that you live. And he promises that we will become a child of God. He promises us that we can have that everlasting, unshakable peace. And that we can have a relationship with him. And more than this, just this individual thing, he actually gives us this peace so we, like him, could be bringers and peacemakers. And we can bring peace to our schools, to our families, and we can bring peace to our workplaces, even to our governments. And so the call of Christ is to, to have this peace, and yet to be a peacemaker, like our King. And so my question as I finish tonight is, do you know this peace, this deep peace of Christ? And do you want this peace, if not? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in just a moment, and if something in this message has spoken to you, then do pray along with me. And if not, just enjoy the Enjoy the moment. Think about what's happened this evening. And I'm not going to pray. And it's a prayer that says, Jesus, I want you in my life. And it's a really short prayer. This is the moment between you and God. So I'm going to ask everyone as we pray. Let's just close our eyes. This is a private moment for some people. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're a good king. And if this is true for you tonight, and you want to do this, then do it everyone. Jesus, I thank you that you are a good king. I thank you that you hear me. You hear all of us. I thank you that you are a mighty God, mighty to save. And I thank you that you want to be my Father. And most of all, Lord, I thank you that you have won peace for me through your death and resurrection. And Lord, right now, I want to give my life to you and I want to say, Jesus, would you be my King? Would you come into my heart and make me new? That's the promise of the Bible that we will be making. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I hope you've enjoyed tonight. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to chat to you and just explain a little bit more about what the next steps are and following Jesus. So I'll be here after the service. Do come and chat to me. What time to have you run this church? Um, but for all of us, whether we know God or not, are we, are we searching for that peace? And, and I encourage you this Christmas, think about the message of Christ. He wants to give you that peace and he wants us to be bringers of peace. I know. Around the dinner table at Christmas, it's great fun, but sometimes there's little niggles and arguments that can happen. Can we just be bringers of peace in these situations? Maybe it's bigger than that, but the Lord has that for us. 